Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Uh, hey, this is our last week in uh, Paul's letter to the Roman church. It's our last week. And so I'm going to ask you in your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. We've been here for about 26, 27 weeks. It's been longer because we've had things mixed in. So it's been quite a while. We'll wrap it all up today. Uh, when you get to it, I'm going to ask if you'd stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. And again, if you're new, uh, we don't up down the whole time. But when we read our primary text, we always remind ourselves by standing. We remind ourselves, that's right, that's God. This is God writing to us, speaking to us. And I'll throw this in real quick. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to have a paper Bible. Uh, I love to underline and circle and jot notes down in the, in the legends. You don't have to go buy it, right? They're on the high top tables. That in the back of the, in, out in the lobby. And so you can just grab one. I always just warn you, we have them in both languages, English and Spanish. And so make sure you get the right one. This is Romans chapter 15, and I'm just reading one verse today. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. It says, Paul speaking. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you for these words written by the Apostle Paul, but really inspired by your Holy Spirit thousands of years ago. And we believe, God, that these, this word is alive and it's active. And we believe that you want to say something to us today. So we come expectant. We come looking for what, what are you saying to us today, God? What would you say to a body of believers in Bloomington? And what would you say to each individual, regardless of where they come from or, or what their background or what their life experience is? God, I believe you have something to say. And so, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear now. Give us hearts and minds to understand, to take this in. What are you saying to us, Holy Spirit? God, reveal yourself to us in a fresh and a new way, a way that draws us to you. I'm praying that you minister to very felt needs today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Well, this is interesting to me because if you think about it, just 20 years ago, and if you're not 20 years old, but, but the rest of you in the room, just 20 years ago, we had Steve Jobs, we have Johnny Cash, and even 20 years ago, we had Bob Hope. And then in 2011, Steve Jobs died. And now someday today, people say, we got no jobs, no cash, no hope. Right? <laughs> And so for a lot of you folks, and by the way, let's be praying for Kevin Bacon, okay? But for a lot of you folks, right, you might have walked in here today and you say, man, I'm, 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 I'm starving. I, I, I've been sacked at my job. I'm strapped for cash. I'm searching for hope. I'm seeking hope. I'm searching out hope. Some of you very likely feel that way. Outwardly, things could be perfect. Outwardly, you could look perfect. Outwardly, everything could be perfect. But inside, there could very well be this huge void. You could say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I've been going to church all my life. You could say, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I don't identify as a follower of Jesus. I just happened to come into church today. I was invited by a friend. I just happened to tune in online today. Uh, but, but the bottom line is, you're searching for hope. You're looking for hope. It's very likely. Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor. He's a logotherapist. Logotherapy is a school of psychotherapy that specifically the layman's terms for, for logotherapy is it, it's the idea that the search for meaning in life is the driving force for humans. Viktor Frankl said, we have means, but no meaning. In other words, he's saying, we, we got enough to live on, we got nothing to live for. 
And we're looking for hope. We're searching for hope. The statistics all bear it out. Look, man, Gen Z, whether you know this or not, Gen Z and Gen Y are today are the two most suicidal generations in American history, and it ain't close. It's not even close. The number one, depending on what study you look at, the number one or the number two prescribed medications today are anxiety and depression medications. Now, just before I go any further, I just want to be real clear to say this. This is not one of those hokey church messages where we say, oh, if you're battling anxiety, if you're battling depression, you just need to have more faith and you need to pray. This is not that. I'm not saying that because that's silliness and that oversimplifies it. If you'd ask, listen, man, I go to a counselor at least once a month. If you'd asked me... Two years ago, hey, Neil, do you battle anxiety? I'd say, no, I go to work every day, and it ain't that simple. And I've probably battled anxiety since I was a kid, and I have sleepless nights today. I'm saying this is not one of those messages. I'm saying we are looking for hope. We are searching for hope. And I'll tell you how I know we're looking for hope. Because more than any liquid, more than any pill, here's what Americans are more addicted to. All Americans, this is what we're addicted to more than anything else. Ready for this? Do you know what I'm talking about? Did you know this as Americans, we pull out our phones once every six minutes, 150 times a day? We're more addicted to our phones than anything else. Do you know why we're addicted to our phones? Because we're looking for hope. Because every time, every time that happens, you think in your head, I don't know if it's a good text or a bad text, I just hope. Maybe they like my, maybe they like my post, I just hope. Maybe it's a positive comment, I just hope. And we're looking for hope. We're searching for hope. That's what we're doing. It's no different than a gambler. Gamblers pull the lever, or maybe today they push a button, or they roll the dice, or they're looking for the next card to flip over, and they don't know if it's going to be a good card. They don't know what's going to come up on the machine, but they hope. The challenge is they hope so. And today, what most of us hope is we hope so. I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow afternoon because I'm going to the fair. We hope so. And I'm saying I believe what we need today. I believe what the church needs today. I believe what individuals need today. Whether you call yourself a follower of Jesus or not, I believe that we need hope. Here's the other challenge. We then become sneezers right? So now we're battling anxiety, and we're battling depression, and we're discouraged, and, and, and we feel that way. We have all these negative thoughts, and then we bring that into the culture, and we just start sneezing over everybody, and we infect everybody. Really interesting article I read by this woman, and she was talking about this whole topic, and then after talking about it, she made some really interesting observations in her own son, and her son is 15 years old, and in her article, she put the writings of her 15-year-old son. Now think about this and think about how much of this might be true. These are his words, 15-year-older. He says, I hear so many people in my parents' generation say the reason they talk about their fears and worries about our country is out of concern and out of love for their children's and their children's grandchildren's generation. He says, it's a strange way to show us love. If I was a dad, I would never go into my son's room and tell him how scary and dark it is and then say, have a good night. <laughs> Knowing the darkness will not go away, I want to focus him on why he doesn't need to be afraid. I show him his nightlight. I remind him that it will always be on. I check under the bed and in the closet and I reassure him that there are no monsters. But most importantly, I tell him mommy and daddy are right down the hall. And if he ever needs anything, we'll be here. Our God is always here. 
Our God wants to give you a word of hope today. Our God wants to minister hope. Our God wants to encourage you. And we need to look at that. We need to see what this picture is. And Paul is telling us through his writings, and we're going to see that today. Again, this ain't going to be a quick fix. This ain't a quick fix for anybody. But I want you to understand who the God of heaven is. I want us to see this. This is Paul's writing. Now, look in, look in your Bibles. Look at verse 13, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. God, he says this. I pray that God, the source of hope. Everybody say hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with, say this with me, confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is Paul writing, the Apostle Paul. And before we go any further, I want you to understand what Paul means when he says hope. Because Paul is not talking about hope so. Paul is not talking about, gee, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. Listen to this. The biblical word, the Greek word for hope is the word elpis. And it's literally, it's, it's most often translated as the word hope. But here's what it really means. It means expectation. That's not hope so. It means anticipation. It means trust. It means confidence and certainty. That's biblical hope. And every time you see the word hope in the Bible, that's what it's speaking about. An expectation, anticipation. There is certainty. There is trust. That's what Paul's writing about. Translators sometimes put it as the word hope, and sometimes translators put it as the word confident hope. It's up to the translators when they were writing this, what, need, what word need to be said. But when you read hope, you know this, biblical hope. It is a confident hope. Paul, more than any other New Testament writer, uses this word in the letter to the Roman church. In the letter to Romans, Paul uses the word 16 times. In the gospel, it's only mentioned twice. And so what I'd like to do just for a second is, I'm not going to walk you through all 16 of them, but I want you to see Paul use the word hope and how he uses this. Flipping your Bibles back to chapter 12. I'm sorry, stay, stay in chapter 15. Just go back to verse 4. Just go back to verse 4. Just look down. This is verse 4. Verse 4 says this. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement. Say hope and encouragement. As we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Now go to chapter 12. Just flip a couple pages. Just flip up a couple pages. Go to chapter 12. Now look at verse 12. This is chapter 12. Verse 12 says this. Rejoice in our, say it with me, confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Okay? Now do me a favor. Chip up, flip all the way back to chapter 5. Go back to chapter 5. I'll give you just a second. Flip back a couple pages. Chapter 5. Now start in verse 3. This is Romans chapter 5, verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our of salvation. Right? And then look at the very next verse. He says this, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. Now I want to show you one more. So flip back one more page. Look at chapter 4. Go back to chapter 4 in your Bibles. Just flip the page over. And now look at verse 18. And he says this. Even when there, he's talking about Abraham now. He's talking about Father Abraham. Even when there was no reason for hope, there's no earthly reason. There's no reason that you or I would believe this on earthly terms. There's no earthly reason for hope. Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. I'm going to talk about this one for just a bit, and then we're going to work our way all the way back up. This is the story of Abraham. This is very interesting. First of all, it says, even when there was no reason for hope, he kept hoping. At the time, God pulled Abraham inside and he said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Abraham had no children. He was 75 years old. Sarah was about 65 years old. 
Now, some of you can relate to this because when you're 75 and you're 65, you're saying, dear Jesus, not now. Am I right? A lot of you are praying that by the time you're in your 40s. And at that time, God has now come to him and said, you will be. in fact, he changed his name to Abraham. Abraham means the father of many nations. A 75-year-old with a 65-year-old wife, and they have no children. And God is saying, you're going to be the father of many nations. There's absolutely no reason for hope, but he keeps confidently hoping. That's what Abraham does. Then finally, about 10 to 12 years after God says it to him, he has a son. His name is Ishmael. Ishmael is the son of Hagar, the servant. And God said, no, no, I'm telling you through Sarah, you'll have a baby. Through Sarah, father of many nations, 86-year-old with a 76-year-old wife. And they wait about another 10 to 12 years. And the year before they had their baby, Abraham is in a tent. And the angel of the Lord comes and speaks to him. And he says, hey, Sarah's going to have a baby. Now listen to this. How hard would it be to believe that? And your own wife now laughs. Because Sarah laughed when the angel said that. Of course she laughed. She was about 80, late 80s when that happened. Can you imagine? I think about this. Can you imagine being about 88, 89 years old, and she's going into Walmart now, and she's looking for some kind of maternity wear. And the, and the gal down the aisle says, ma'am, can I help you? And she says, well, I need a maternity top. Oh, sweetie, that's so cute. Is this for your granddaughter? Is this for your daughter? And she's like, no, it's for me. And Walmart's like, we're going to need help on aisle six. You know what I'm saying? She's like 89 years old, and she thinks she's going to have a baby. One year later, she has a baby. Now, here's the irony in this. She has a baby. God tells them, name that boy Isaac. Now, somebody in the house knows this, so I'm just going to ask you to yell it out. What does Isaac mean? It means laughter. She laughed. Who had the last laugh? God has the last laugh, and God always has the last laugh. And now they have a boy, and now that boy grows up, and he's about 12 years old, father of many nations. Father of many nations. This boy is now 12 years old, and God comes and he speaks to him. Now, don't ask me how all this works, because this is, these are the right info booth. I've told you that before. I'm going to the info booth. When I get to heaven, first place I'm going. And God comes to him and he says, I want you to sacrifice that boy. I want you to take him up to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice that boy. Abraham, father of many nations. This is my boy. What? So Abraham gets two servants, and they cut wood, and they strap it onto the donkey, and they start heading up to Mount Moriah. Now watch this. They get there, and they've been traveling for about three days, and now they're about ready to ascend to the final ascent. And Abraham says to the two servants, you wait here, the boy and I will go up to make sacrifice. And then he says this, and we will return. Abraham had hope when there was no reason for hoping, and especially now there's no reason for hoping. He's waited all this time. He finally has a kid. God tells him to sacrifice it, and he says, we are coming back. He believed that even if he sacrificed his child, that God would bring him back when there was no reason for hope. He, he gets up there, and they're all ready, and he's got, he's got his son strapped down, and he's just about ready to kill him, and the angel of the Lord stops him, and it says that Abraham looks up, and what does he see? There's a ram. Now, this is interesting. There's a ram caught in the thicket. I'm just going to tell you this. Rams, we, 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 we miss this little minutia. Rams, there's no way a ram gets caught in a thicket. There's no possible way. Rams are powerful animals. They are powerful. If a ram wanted out of that thicket, he just shakes it and he goes. This, land, this, this ram surrendered himself. Are you with me? Is this making you think anything? This is like the lamb. Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me. I surrender it. 
and the thicket represented the crown of thorns. Jesus surrendered himself, wore the crown of thorns, and was the sacrifice. And Abraham comes down. Even there was no hope. There was no reason for hope. There's absolutely no reason for hope. And he just kept hoping. Right? That's what biblical hope says. Biblical hope says, I trust in God. I believe in God. When there's no reason for hope, I'm going to keep hoping. I'll hope year after year. I'll hope decade after decade. My God does not disappoint, whether I feel or not. Hope is, not a, is a journey. It's, it's not some fleeting emotion or feeling. Hope is a journey. It's not just a choice, right? In every situation, you say this, God, I'll give you everything. God, I'll give you everything. God, I'll give you my life. God, I'll give you my heart. God, I'll give you my soul. God, I'll give you my family. God, I'll give you everything. But I won't give up. The one thing I won't give is up. That's biblical hope. That's hope. Hope just keeps hoping when there's no reason. We need to be encouraged. Here's what I'm hoping today. I'm hoping. Look, we got enough dope dealers. We need some hope dealers. I'm hoping that we're built up and that we're encouraged. Hope dealers, 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 hope dealers. This is what I'm praying for, that we become the hope dealers, that we're encouraged, that our faith is built up, and then we walk out of here and we become encouragers. That's biblical hope. That's biblical hope. And then he goes on and he says this. This is why he believed it. Because God said it. Because God said it. You don't believe it because Neil told you. You, you. you don't have hope when there's no reason for hope because I said it. It's because God said it. Because God said so. It's because what God says comes to fruition. Because when God says it, it happens. See, that's biblical hope. That's biblical hope. All right, let's work our way back up. Go back to chapter 5. Go back to chapter 5. Now look at verse 3. Look at verse 3 again. He says this. We can re- everybody say rejoice. rejoice. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. When do you do that? When was the last time we went, yeah, she broke up with me. Right on. This is awesome. Yeah, they put a nasty comment on my social media. Yeah, I'm so happy. Yes, I have a flat tire. Right on. I got sacked at work today. Who says that? Who says that? And here's the question. Why would we say that? And Paul's going to go on and he's going to tell us. Because we know that, 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 that they help us. And we develop endurance. And then he says endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You ready for this? We rejoice when we have problems and trials. We actually rejoice. Why? Because it builds endurance. Endurance builds strength of character. Strength of character builds confident hope. Ready? And then he says this. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. This hope will never lead to disappointment. We rejoice in problems and trials. We rejoice. Look, the fire doesn't burn you. The fire forges you. Pain makes you stronger. Tears make you braver. Heartache makes you wiser. I know, I know, I know. Look, look, we always say this. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I know, but hope looks forward. That's what hope does, because God said it, because we trust it, because we believe it. It's easy to be Miriam and shake your tambourine when the Red Sea is split and you've walked across on dry land, but too oftentimes most of us are like the Israelites, and all we want to do is complain and go back to Egypt. Why? Because Pharaoh's behind us and the Red Sea's in front of us. 
No, followers of Jesus, hope is confident. Hope is expectant. I expect it. Why? Because God said so. I'm anticipating. I'm looking forward to it. Look about Paul. Think about Paul. Paul's the one who's writing here. Paul's the one who says we're supposed to rejoice in problems. Paul had everything. Paul was a Pharisee. He's in the ruling class of the religious Jews. He was the son of a Pharisee. Paul's got everything. And then he had a radical encounter with the resurrected Christ and he gave it all up and he spent the rest of his life not only traveling the Mediterranean Rim and planting churches and preaching the gospel, he spent the rest of his life suffering. Paul was shipwrecked and a day and a night at sea. Paul was beaten and whipped and scourged and, and he was stoned and left for dead. Paul was put in prison. Paul was put in prison more often. We say he was canned more than tuna. Paul was in prison constantly. He was eventually beheaded by Nero. And what does Paul say? Oh, no, 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 rejoice. Paul says it. Paul says rejoice. Look, let's look at it this way. If God isn't real, nothing matters. If God isn't real, nothing matters. But here's the deal. If God is real, that's the only thing that matters. And we drop everything and we serve him. And we drop everything and we serve him. We let everything go and we serve God if God is real. Life is so much more than you working 40 hours a week for 40 years and then retiring on 40% of your income as it comes in off your 401k and you hope to get married and have 2.5 children. You get yourself a dog named Spot. Eventually you get a timeshare in Florida and then boom, you die. Like life is more than that. Followers of Jesus, we have a mission. We have a purpose. We have a confident hope. We have to take hope. We have to take hope. Rejoice. 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 I know that, I know that this is somebody real because I just talked to somebody this morning. And they got a diagnosis this week, and it's real. And some of you all are in the midst of it right now. Your marriage is crumbling. You got a child that's gone astray. You lost your job. You got financial hardship. But God has made us promises. God has made us promises. Take hope. Take hope. Take hope. It ain't hope so. This is not hope so. This is not a hope it doesn't rain. This stuff is confident. This is a confident hope. This is an expectant hope. This is an anticipatory hope. This is a hope of certainty. This hope will not lead to disappointment. We rejoice. Go back to Romans chapter 12. He says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. Again, again, the author is Paul, the guy who suffered so much. Again, he says, rejoice, 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 rejoice. Why? Confident hope. In what? Confident hope in the things that God says. Not, not, not hope in, in some political party. Not hope in your sports team. Hope in the God of heaven, the God of hope. That's what we hope in. Okay, now go all the way back to chapter 15. Go all the way back to chapter 15. Got it? Now look at verse 4. This is 15.4. It says such things. Now listen, just so you know the context here. Paul has just written about the suffering of Jesus and how Jesus was receiving insults and insults and insults and how, how, how Jesus had suffered. And he says this, such things, the suffering of Jesus, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. Oh, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement. Say hope and encouragement. As we wait patiently for God's promises to be filled. It's one of the reasons that we have the scriptures. Because the scriptures give us hope and encouragement. Because we read about the things. We see about the things. We learn about our God. We see who he is. We see who our God is. We see what he's done over time, over time, over time. 
That's why you have the scriptures. They reveal God to us, but we see that he's the God of hope. Look, there are 1,100, almost 1,200, but there are 1,169, 89 chapters in the Bible. There's 66 books in the Bible, written by 40 authors on three continents, over about 1,500 years. And they tell us these stories. Did you know this, that in the scriptures there are about 2,500 prophecies written. Out of those 2,500, 2,000 of them have already been fulfilled as God said they would be fulfilled. The other 500 are about end times, things that wouldn't have happened yet. Jesus himself, Jesus himself in his person fulfilled about 234 of those prophecies exactly as God said. Now there's a mathematician, his name is Peter Stoner. Peter Stoner uses the modern probability science and he says this, for one person to fulfill just eight, not 234, for one person to fulfill just eight of those prophecies. You ready for this? Statistical. This is the, these are the odds of this happening. One in 1 times 10 to the 17th power. That's like a bazillion zeros following 10. That's the odds of that happening. Now, I was so mad at math, I still can't count. I don't even know how to count. But I'm just telling you, put that in a visual picture so that people like me can understand it. He says the odds of it would be like this. You cover the state of Texas in silver dollars. The state of Texas in silver dollars, two feet deep. You mark one of them with a red X, and then you throw it in the pile. Now you take a man, you take a woman, you put a blindfold on them, you fly them over the state of Texas. Hey, when you went out, let me know. They say now. You drop them there. You say, okay, keep the blindfold on. Walk around, walk around, walk around. When you're ready, reach down and grab a coin. It's the same odds of them over the state of Texas, two feet in the silver dollars, pulling out the one with an X. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Do you know why those were fulfilled? Because our God said so. Because God says, because what God says comes to fruition, because what God says happens. One of the most powerful words that you can ever remember as a Christian is the word remember. Listen, man, we read the scriptures and we see what happened. We read the scriptures and we remember who our God is. It's one of the most powerful things you can ever do. Just sit down with a piece of paper and start remembering and then go into your own life and start remembering, where was God faithful? This is the God who split the Red Sea. He said he was going to deliver them, and he did. He split the Red Sea to prove it. This is the same God who stopped up the Jordan River at flood stage because he said, you're going to enter the promised land. This is the same God who said, I'll give you the promised land, and you'll have victory. And to show you that you're going to have victory, your first battle, when you enter the promised land, uh-uh. I don't want you to fight. Just walk around the wall. Remember this? Walk around the walls of Jericho. What happened? The walls fell. You know why? Because our God said so. That's the scriptures. Their milk, their meat, their manna, their nourishment, and their encouragement. If the Bible says, if, if you're not reading it, you're missing it. Now, let me make this really simple for you because folks go, man, reading that Bible thing, that's really confusing. I don't know if I could do that. Okay, I'll just simplify it. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need, look, man, let's just make this simple. If I were you, I'd go home and I'd just start with the book of John or I'd start with the book of James. That's what I do, the gospel of John. or the book, And you just start reading. You say, well, how much do I read every day? Well, people tell you this all the time. Look, 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 just start with about three minutes. Let me tell you something. That's craziness, and I'll tell you why. Because if you went to the gym for three minutes a day, what kind of results do you get? <laughs> and do you know how demotivated you'd be? And you know what you'd stop doing? You'd stop going to the gym. Because you got nothing out of it. So here's what I tell people. Start with this. Just set aside. You need to set aside about 10 to 20 minutes. Set aside about 20 minutes. 
And you get up and you read the scripture. Well, how much of the scripture do I read? You read until, you, until God stops you. And you just say, ooh, wait a minute, there's a thought. I gotta read this, I gotta think about this. I, I gotta think about what's going on here. And now you just pray about it. Now listen, I'll tell you the truth, not every morning, this is gonna surprise some of you, but not every morning do the clouds split. Ah, I don't have that every morning. <laughs> but there are days when I walk out of there and I think in my head, the God of creation just spoke. And I'm encouraged. And I get a confident hope. If you ain't reading it, you're missing it. If you ain't reading it, you're missing it. You gotta pick up a Bible. The Bible, one of the reasons it was given to us was to teach us about hope. It's to teach us about hope. Okay, now, now I wanna just remind you of some of the things the scriptures say. So I just want you to receive this. These are promises of God. These are things that God has spoken. And these are things that will come to fruition. This is the prophet Isaiah. And he says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. This is God speaking. Don't be discouraged. I'm your God. Listen to me. I will. Everybody say, I will. That's a promise. I promise you. I will strengthen you and help you. Say with me again. I will. He's promising. I'll hold you up with my victorious right hand. Go to the book of Philippians. You don't have to turn there. And this is the same God who takes care of me will. Look, this same God. God will. God will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. It's a promise. God will. God will do it. Look at 2 Thessalonians. It says, but the Lord is faithful. He will. That's a promise. God absolutely will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. It's a promise. You can bank on this, man. You can expect it. James chapter 1, he says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. Say with me, and it's a promise. He will. And I love this. He will, here's a will not promise. He will not rebuke you for your asking. God's going to say, well, what kind of dummy are you? Why would you bother to ask me that? He, he promises. He won't do that. This is the Gospel of Matthew. And he says this. Then Jesus said, come. This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will. I promise you. I'll give you. Are you weary today? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you feeling it? Listen to me. Listen to me. He's already promised it. I'll give you rest. I will give you rest. You can bank on that. God said it. That's why we trust it. That's why we believe it. The writer of Hebrews said this, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. You feel really distant today? Do you feel like God is really distant? Do you feel like God's a long ways away? Do you feel like maybe God left me? Maybe God doesn't know I'm down here. Maybe God doesn't know my story. Maybe he doesn't know my situation. Nope. I promise you it's not true. Because God said, I won't do that. I promise you this. I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I won't do it. That same God is still here. Do you know how I know that? Because he promised it. Because his word is his word. Because we have a confident hope. A hope that says when he says it, it happens. And you can bank on it. All right, let's go all the way back to where we started today. This is chapter 15, verse 13. Paul says this. I pray that God, the source of hope, say this to me, source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you'll overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God, our God, only our God, the great creator, the almighty Yahweh, the creator, the one who made you, he breathed breath and the world came into existence. 
If he had a nickname, it's source of hope. God is the source of our hope. Man, it's crazy to me where we're looking for hope today. Do you know the social scientists say either the number one or number two cause of all our anxiety and depression is? You know what they say it is? Social media. It's social media. It's social media. We're so addicted to our phones for that reason. Because, you know, public schools, right? You know, public schools, most of you. Remember in public schools, you'd have the little charts of the pictures on the wall? Do you remember this? The evolutionary chart. And they went from this thing way down here, and then it went to this. And the, right? We always said this. We said it went from goo to zoo to you. you mean, did you all say that? And, and now, guess what? We went back to zoo. Like, we're on our way back down. We're so addicted to social media. You can tell me all you want. Go ahead, give me all your arguments. Oh, but now I know when their birthday is. And they sent me a birthday greeting. And I know when all that is. You know what a second level question is? Second level question would say this. At what cost? Right? Second level of question is at what cost? Let me ask you something. Knowing when that person who you see every three years, knowing when their birthday was, is it worth the cost of all the anxiety and depression? I'm just going to say it from the platform because nobody else wants to say it. Get off social media. Get off it. Just leave it alone. It ain't healthy for us. It's killing us. Right? God is the source of hope. You don't need some silly affirmation through some social media. I know everybody else is doing it. And we'll go back to the Stone Age. Christians will be known as the people in the Stone Age. It ain't helping you. It's only hurting. God is the source of your hope. God is the source of your hope. People, listen to me. Look up. Look up. Look up. Look up. Our God, the God of creation, our God is hope. He ain't hope so. This ain't hope so. This ain't I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. This is real hope. This is biblical hope. This is confident hope. This is hope that anticipates. This is hope that expects. Let me read this to you because this is how Paul ends the letter. We're not, we're not going through 16. Sorry, this is the end of the letter though. And I want you to just receive this. Now all glory to God who is able to make you strong. Just as the good news says, this message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for all people. A plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, the message is made known to everyone everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen.